So I think your story is really inspirational because you were very, I want to say, strategic and thoughtful in going about dating. We often talk about during the podcast about being in the right mental state to be dating. And I feel like you did a great job of doing that. So you went on numerous speed dates. You decided that that human interaction in person was probably the best way for you to date versus using the apps and the virtual, as you said. And you, it sounds like you started to refine what you were looking for and not only your process, but maybe thinking about what were some things that uh, were needs versus wants, what were some deal breakers. Talk, talk to us a little bit about that. I think there are a number of things that I learned over the years. After a while, I started to realize that, you know, I, I started to see myself differently. And I guess what I started to think about is, you know, what do I really, what do I really want? And what do I bring to the table? And how does that fit with someone else? And I guess what I mean by that is, right, I have a whole constellation of traits and history. We often refer to it as baggage. I don't think that's actually a bad thing. I totally agree. You live beyond 40 years of age, 40, 50, 60, however long. You're going to accumulate scars and experiences and history. That's just the nature of living. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just, I guess what I started to realize is that because of all those things I had accumulated, I bring all those things into a relationship. And that means that finding somebody whose baggage can fit with mine was going to be a challenge. But that wasn't unique to me. That's everyone. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. And what you're talking about is what we often refer to on the podcast as your established life. As you get older, your life is established by career, your family, etc. It's more established. It's not like you're building your life with someone. So you're stepping into someone's established life and that someone is stepping into your established life. And that can be a challenge. And yes, we all have baggage, whether that's Louis Vuitton or Samsonite. <laughs> we all have baggage and it's, it's definitely challenging being able to accept other people's and, and having people be able to accept yours. And I think the next thing that I, I started to come around to is this idea of what do I need versus what do I want? I think, you know, we're kind of programmed to some degree to just to think about what do I want? What do I want? What do I want? Just sort of impulse shopping almost. And we start to translate that into our relationships, whether those are romantic or friendships or family, we start to become almost like consumers of our relationships. At least I saw that trend in myself. And so what I started to think about was, okay, what do I really need in a relationship? What's going to sustain me? What are, what are the things I really need to feel loved and to feel happy and to feel like I'm thriving as an individual? What kind of traits do I need in a partner for me to feel that? And mm -hmm. when I, and that took probably a good six months for me to really, maybe even a year for me to really get clear about what those were, those traits were. And by the end of that period, what I realized is that I was so far from what I thought. Like if I had just written a dating profile, like this is what I want at the beginning of that process, what I actually ended up with was significantly different. And can I ask you, was there therapy involved in this at all? Did you ever take it to that level or was it more just introspection? So, um, you know, I'm a big proponent of therapy generally. I think, you know, we don't pay enough attention to mental health and society generally. So Agreed. to answer your question, yes, I have done a lot of therapy in my life for a lot of different things. Highly recommend. Um, but did I do it specifically for dating? No. Mm -hmm. But 
I do think that I thought about right, like therapy, and I, I know, I'm sure if you've done it, you know this, but folks who maybe haven't dipped their toe in that pond yet, um, a lot of therapy is about, or depending on what you're doing, the cognitive behavioral therapy is thinking about, you know, how you interact with other people, what your actions bring to a situation, what someone else's actions bring to a situation, and how those coalesce to create a relationship, mm-hmm. and it's easy to translate that into dating, and I certainly did that to some degree. True. So did that make you get really selective? about the guys that you dated, you know, was there, you know, I know you had a lot of first dates. Was it very easy for you to just say, okay, this isn't working. I'm not going to try to drag it out. Just make it fast, easy and get out of there. Or did you try to drag it on to see if they were going to fit? So I sort of developed this method where I was less selective in the first cycle, meaning first date cycle, but it got much more selective in the second and third dates. And what I started to realize is that people generally show a few types of characteristics early on in how they interact with you. And once you start to recognize what those, those behaviors mean, it becomes a lot easier to decide, okay, this person isn't a fit. So a good example of that is, um, you know, I'm somebody who likes a lot of communication and it's just part of my personality. Um, doesn't have to be deep, doesn't have to be a lot, but periodically knowing that I'm on someone's mind shows that I'm a priority, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm dating someone early in a relationship and let's say that we had planned to get together, you know, we talked on a Tuesday, we planned to get together. You would say, hey, let's get together at Friday at six o'clock. Well, if I haven't heard anything 24 hours prior to about where we're going, where we're meeting, what the restaurant is, that's already, I wouldn't say that's a red flag, but it's a yellow flag, right? Like, yes, girl. What are we doing? And if you haven't even thought about, like, I'm, you know, I want to get dressed. I have, I want to project and think about what yes. I'm going to do. You're not thinking about my experience. And so that became a very early yellow flag. Well, if you add another yellow flag on a date, <laughs> yellows in my mind make a red. So. <laughs> oh, I hear that. Definitely yeah. two strikes, you know, it, you know, yeah. from, from a guy's point of view, if, if you're a priority, then you'll know it. If yes. you're not, if you're just one in the rotation, you'll know it. So kind of follow those instincts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, I mean, that's funny you should say that. That was another kind of rule that I got to. I had a mentor years ago. I was working on a project and I was so tired. And he was like, you know, if you, if someone paid you a million dollars, could you stay up tonight and could you get it done? And I said, yes. And he said, that tells you that your career isn't a priority. And I took that realization and I applied it to dating. You know, if mm-hmm. somebody's saying I'm too busy, I got, you know, my dog got sick, my grandma died. I I lost my phone. I mean, these are just, if it's a priority, people make time, period. There is no exception to the rule. So that, and it's hard to take that in, right? Because it hurts to know that you're not someone's priority, which is another realization that I got to, but we can talk about that in a minute. I hope people are taking notes on that one because that is so important. Right. We can't obviously make everything a priority all the time to neglect our health and all these other things. But, you know, the general idea being that if somebody really wants to, to make dating a priority and make you a priority as a result, they're going to make the time. I just think that the priority is such an important factor because in talking about people later in life, and again, the established life factor You have established schedules. You have an established career that could be taking a lot of your time, grandchildren, children, etc. And it might be a little bit harder to give people priority. But if they're important enough to you, you will do it. 
Yeah, I think one thing that I also learned is that not to take it personally. You know, it, it's person. Mm-hmm. It was personal to me, right? Because it was my life, my feelings, my my desires. But sometimes life just makes you too busy, and I think it takes a lot of self awareness to realize, as an individual, whether you have enough time and energy to give another person in a relationship. And it's perfectly fine mm-hmm. to say I don't have enough time. It's also perfectly fine to say I can only give you twenty percent. As long as the person that you're having the relationship agrees and is happy with that 20%, that can be totally fine. But both parties have to be aware. And if there's a mismatch in terms of expectations around what someone is willing to give or not give, regardless of the other competing priorities, that's where you know where you run into issues, I think. Mm-hmm. I guess we're going to sum it up with our signature question. What do you know about love now that you didn't know earlier in life? I think the first big thing is love is an action. It's not a feeling. It can be a feeling and it often is, but love is about prioritizing. It's about choosing someone else's happiness. It's about making sacrifice and love is such a rare thing. It should be a rare thing. If you're willing to, to to sacrifice and take the actions to be loving to an individual in a romantic sense, that should be precious and it shouldn't be common. And once I realized that it became much easier just to keep moving and looking for that person that I really wanted to be loving to in a romantic sense. Um, I think the other thing that I wish I knew when I was younger is that attention doesn't equal affection. Mm-hmm. And I think my standards were so low in terms of what I thought love looked like, <laughs> what it what it meant, how it would feel that I took I just took so little in terms of attention and I I conflated that into affection and love and a signal of affection and love. And I wish I had realized that a, attention can can mean a lot of different things. It can mean love, but it also can mean sexual interest. It can mean dysfunction. It can mean misogyny. It can mean narcissism. There's a lot of different things attention can mean. Not all attention is good attention. And getting clear about that dynamic and really being analytical I wish I had to come around to that a lot earlier in my life. It saved me a lot of heartache. That's the best answer we've had yet. (laughs) Thank you. You're dropping nuggets there. So much great wisdom there. So many takeaways. I hope that people had numerous takeaways and some aha moments that will help you in navigating the world of dating in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. Really, really great conversation. And I just thank you so much for joining us, Lynn. And we would love to have you back. Of course, I'd love to come back. Any, I'm a product of so many people's advice and wisdom over the years. And if I can pass any of that along and help someone live a more fulfilling life and have a great relationship, I am I'm happy to do it. So that's today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd love for you to join us every single Monday for a brand new episode. And remember, it's never too late for love. It's never too late. Hi, I'm Mimi. And I'm AJ. We're the host of the Later in Life Love podcast, where we discuss dating and new relationships at 40 plus. Do you have a dating or relationship related question for us? If so, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at anchor.fm forward slash later in life love and leave us a voicemail. Your message might be included in a future episode. You, my friend, can be part of our show. And remember, it's never too late for love. It's never too late.